0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 15, 2017, 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 14, starting with paragraph 5, reading through two paragraphs, 5 and 6, for our focus study today. Today's readers are... The 12 steps penny lc the 12 traditions christine m reading the text for us today is sharon h and gina r the reference numbers for the previous days which actually yesterday march 14th for our 10 a.m meeting that share id is 9722 9722 and for this morning's 7 a.m eastern time meeting March 15th is 9725, 9725. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members.
1: Thank you very much, Melanie. Good morning. I'm Tony Elsie from the state of Washington, grateful recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs.
2: Thank you for your service, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Penny Elsie. I will now ask Christine M. to please read the 12 traditions.
3: Yes, good morning, everyone. My name is Christine M., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. Five. Each group has but one primary purpose: to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six. An OA group ought never endorse financial and the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Let problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name might never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you so much for letting me do service, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Christine M. Thank you very much. How our meeting works. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted at all times. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 14, starting with paragraph 5, Why I Lay in in the Hospital, and including paragraph 6, which ends on the top of 15, with, It is just like that. I would like to now ask Sharon H. to begin our study and reading this morning. Good morning, Sharon.
4: Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me okay? I can. Good morning to you. All right. Uh, Yes, welcome to everyone. This is Sharon H., Grateful recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all of my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. And I love these two paragraphs because it is just so amazing to me that Bill had just had this, uh, which came to him in a very amazing way, uh, this, uh God's impact on him was very sudden and profound. And as a result of that, immediately he went from being a very self-centered, self-seeking type of man to be totally on a new way of, level of thinking of those of others. You know, here he lay still in the hospital, but his thought was, here are these thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to him. So, I'm just, you know, that is just amazing to me, and that's really what these two paragraphs are about. And his friend, Ebby, when he had come to speak to him, had emphasized this absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all his affairs. So that's a result of how he went through the steps, which they weren't even organized in the public, published form at that point, but he went through that process, and he saw how imperative, which means so vital to our well-being, to work with others as Ebbie had come and worked with him. And that faith without works is dead. It does require this action because this new way of life, this spiritual life, does require work and it requires self-sacrifice because now our cause is to be there for the next suffering alcoholic And to be the one that, and we are blessed to have this book, so we have this book that we can use as a guide to take another suffering alcoholic through this process so that they too may be on this new way of life and this new way of thinking and this new way of living. And yes, my own experience, there's been a lot of trials and low spots in my own life. And there is still today this amazing I don't even know how to define it, but when I am working with someone else and using this book as a guideline and going through, like I learned on this line, line by line, paragraph by paragraph, to go through this process with another, not only do I get my own sense of well being, uh, like I, you know, even if it's a low spot, I completely forget about that because I am just so focused on this person. Right in front of me, and helping them to achieve that same thing, and and yeah, the bottom line is, if we don't do this, we will die. They, you know, we will go back to living a life that, to me, is in the bedevilments on page fifty-two, and that's just the way it is with us today. And yet, what a gift, the way I see it, that it is just like that with us today. I've been given a new life. Um, You know, how many people get to live two lives in one lifetime? I was a very selfish, self-centered person. To the core of my being, all I could think about was me and um, what I was getting or not getting or what I wanted and I didn't get it. You know, on and on the scenario goes. And now God has given me this whole new way of thinking, this whole new design of living. And I'm like, you know, um, I was like a little baby. I, I had to learn how to do that. And through the process of the steps, I learned to unlearn all that stuff that I believe was the truth. And that all came through the result of going through these steps. And so I'm just so grateful to be on the line today. I'm so grateful you are all here. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you, Sharon H. Who would like to um,
0: share on those two paragraphs, five and six, on page 14? Gina R. Amy G. Shannon O. Melissa
1: C. Alice. Allison L.
0: Kathleen O. Okay, let's see what I have here so far, folks. I have Gina R. I have Amy G. I have Allison. I have Kathleen O. Who else? <laughs> Melissa Shannon F. Hi, Melissa. got you. And then I have okay. Shannon F. Let's Ooh, go, go with that lineup. Thank you, Sue. I'll grab you up, and then that will be... Our lineup for now. Gina R, Amy G, Allison, Kathleen
2: O, Melissa C, Shannon, and Sue G. Hi, Gina. Good morning, Melanie, and thank you and everybody else for your service. This is Gina R, gratefully recovered in Colorado. Um, Having been in and around the room since 1985, I am just feeling a lot of sadness this morning for um, not really understanding what this uh, these two paragraphs were about, and that is basically taking the message to others. Um, I do remember the first time I went through the steps in another fellowship, um, sort of, It wasn't real clear, and the bottom line is I never really sponsored anybody. Um, I ended up what I now refer to as a bucket, 12-stepper. And what I mean by that is people poured into me as if I were a bucket, and i just let it stay there there wasn't any sort of outlet for it to go anywhere else and what i am understanding now is because i never created that outlet what was poured into me um i don't know if you've ever have a bucket of standing water but it either evaporates or if you live in a humid area it actually becomes dank and um full of things that are not um, real good for you so now um, working the steps um, as I have been lovingly guided through my sponsor um, one sponsor and now I'm on my second sponsor which is fine I see how I have to work all of these steps in the order they're presented And I have to keep recycling it. And so now, instead of being a bucket 12-stepper, I really feel like I'm more like a garden hose where the hose is hooked up to the source, which are these steps. And I have the choice and the obligation to turn on that water. And that's connecting to my higher power every day. And when I do that, that power is going to flow in and through me and then I have an actual chance to share that with somebody else. And so what I'm trying to figure out now is um, or what God is showing me through uh, the removing of my character defects is sometimes that flow is a very gentle sprinkle. And sometimes it's that attachment you put on at the end of the hose that... Um, is too hard and that's typically how i have done it and it doesn't work anyway i'm so grateful for this book and for you all and for um
5: guiding me to this point thank you i pass thank you gina r amy g good morning melanie thank you for your service my name is amy g i'm a recovered (laughs) overeater from maryland You know, they think they're trying to tell us something here, absolute necessity, imperative to work with others. Faith without works is dead. I don't know about you all, but I've heard in the rooms over and over again that we don't think our way into a new way of believing and acting into that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. We act our way into a new way of thinking and a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Through the process of working these 12 steps, it takes action. And Bill, you know, it says in that paragraph before, as others said, you know, he he had this thought that maybe he could carry the message. But if that thought had just stayed a thought, that's all it would have done. You know, he had a thought and he had a moment at the Winchester Cathedral, but then it was clouded out by worldly clamors. But here at his bottom, he realized that he could carry this message. What Evie was saying to him that was imperative, that he demonstrate these principles in all his affairs. And, and through the process of working in steps is the understanding of steps 10, 11, and 12, that in order to stay recovered, in order to get recovered, I have to enlarge my spiritual program on a daily basis. And part of my spiritual maintenance is my service work to the still-suffering, compulsive overeater. I must look outside of myself and serve others. It's not an option. It is imperative and absolutely necessary for me on a daily basis and has been so for decades now in recovery. That that is something that I absolutely must do. Now, by the grace of God, and having been given this wonderful personality change sufficient to bring about my recovery, I do it because I want to. It is a privilege. It is an honor. It is a blessing. It is a highlight of my day to be of service to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. But I must never forget that it is a must. It is an absolute. And part of that daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition is my service work. It's not just sitting in a room chanting to God and meditating. It's about getting out there and taking action and still serving the still-suffering compulsive overeater. And I do it because I have to. You know, it talks about it in step one on that last page. It says, Who wants to sacrifice time and energy in trying to carry AA's message to the next sufferer? No, the average alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme, doesn't care for this prospect unless he has to do these things in order to stay alive himself. And that is absolutely the case for me. I have this paragraph underlined and highlighted a bazillion times in every single one of my big books because to me, if he drank, he would surely die. And it's just like that. And for me, there's no middle-of-the-road solution here. I work this program or I die. I die emotionally, spiritually, and I die physically eventually. I have no doubt where this disease was taking me, an active compulsive overeating. I was dying of this disease. And for me, it's just like that. I work this program like my life depends upon it, one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Amy G.
6: Allison L. Hi, thank you for your service. This is Allison L., recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. And this reading, um, thinking about what has been freely given to me and now I can give it to others and faith without works is dead, it just reminds me that what's happened to me is a miracle. Um, The personality change The spiritual awakening in me um, is a miracle. My new life is a miracle. And I had come to understand and have heard that a miracle takes two things. It takes divine intervention and it takes human initiative. And so the divine intervention, I tried to just pray um, that God would change me. And that didn't work because I was sitting on the couch eating and watching TV. Um, not doing the human initiative and I tried to do just human initiative where I did the things I wanted to do and hoped that would make me different and that didn't work but when I put the two things together and I did the human initiative the actions that I was instructed to do um, and as laid out in this book which I believe was divinely inspired the human initiative and the um, divine intervention came together and the miracle happened in me and faith without works is dead if I want to keep this miracle that's been given to me then I must pass it on to others. And when they put forth their human initiative and do the actions um, and I put forth my human initiative and we work together um, and I give of myself what was given to me freely, um, God comes in with his divine intervention and miracles happen and others are changed and I get to keep the miracle and the miracle keeps growing in me and my spiritual condition continues to grow um, and that can happen for others. And it's just such a blessing. And I also, um and reminded that I cannot outgive God if I keep in fit spiritual condition and I am working with others as I believe God has me and in the time frames and when it I can and when I'm available, I'm taking calls as much as possible, then um I can't outgive God. He'll just keep showing up and providing ways for it to happen. Um, you know, I'm very busy. I have three little kids that depend on me and a husband and a busy life, and yet um God provides ways for me to work with others because it, it's what um, he needs for me to do. That's my human initiative. That must happen, and he shows up um, for me every time. So I just wanted to share that, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Allison L. Kathleen O. Kathleen O, star
7: one.
8: Let's Melanie, move
7: on I'm sorry, my- I'm sorry, I'm oh.
1: here. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, good. Thank you, I'm sorry. Okay. This, is Kathleen. this is Kathleen O, grateful, uh, recovered, compulsive overeater in California. So the, uh, there is so much in this paragraph, I just love it. The absolute ne- necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. He could not survive a certain trials and low spots ahead. Um, You know, life ebbs and flows. There are highs, there are lows, there's bitter, there's sweet. And when things aren't going well, resentment and fear, selfish, self-seeking, you know, those can all crop up for me. And it is imperative that I choose the right option. So I have two options. One, I can eat over those things, and then I am the walking dead. You know, it says we'll die. Um, Yeah, we all die, but to be the walking dead while we're still alive, I think is worse than being six feet under. Or I can choose to work these steps, like I've heard in here, like my hair is on fire, my pants are on fire. It's like if if my hair or pants are on fire, I'm not going to say I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm going to put the fire out because my life does depend on it. And you know, I have this built-in forgetter. <laughs> um, and, and there's so many examples of this built-in forgetter we have in the Big Book. Um, you know, page five, Bill talks about. I saw I could not take so much as a as one drink. I was through forever. And and he knew he was through. He was done. He knew he couldn't drink again. And then you know, a couple sentences down. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. And that is what happens. I've done that over and over. And the only solution was to work these steps. And I have a busy life, like most people have a busy life, but I am never too busy to work these steps and help other people. I find that the more I help others, The more freedom I have from the food, the more peace and serenity I have in my life. Thank you, and I pass.
7: Thank you, Kathleen O. Melissa C. Hi.
9: Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and so grateful that there's a meeting at this time. Um, And
8: uh, yeah, you know.
9: like I heard other people saying that, um, you know, to eat is, is to die. And if I don't do this work, um, I will return to the food. I've experienced that. I tried to do the the pieces of the recovery that I wanted to do that were easy to do. And when I did not enlarge my spiritual life, when I did not work um, consistently and rigorously with other you know, suffering compulsive overeaters. I picked up again. That was my experience. Um, you know, and we're we're not promised when we're recovered. We're not told there'll never be trials and low spots. That's that was my fantasy thinking that when I was going to be thin, life was going to be perfect. Um, that's not reality. But I have a way of working, of dealing, of functioning when the low spots and trials come, you know, and um, you know, like yesterday, you know, I'm, I'm snowed in. You know, I, I had a snow day, and I'm a compulsive overeater. You know, I've had a lifetime of eating myself silly on snow days. You know, that was the ritual that I once practiced. It, you know, it meant baking marathons and crazy cooking on snow days, and you know and um and so now recovered you know and beautifully abstinent thank you god the obsession has been removed i'm still a compulsive overeater and so for me the trial and the low spot even you know is a gift of a snow day because i'm in the house with the food and i'm not thank god entertaining thoughts of baking cookies but you know i found myself hungry when it wasn't mealtime and Found myself looking at the clock, wondering, you know, how could it have only been an hour since I'd eaten lunch? And, you know, what do I do then? Um, I don't dig in deep and 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 you know, use my self will and rely on um my willpower because you know, surely that must be the answer. That's what I used to do. You know, what do I do? I turn to the spiritual light that I treasure and I look to enlarge it. You know, for me it meant I called into Three phone meetings yesterday. I made many phone calls. I did 12-step work. I went through how it works with someone. I, I went through their solution with a sponsee. Um, I started up with a new person. And you know what? It works. God removes my desire to eat. God fills me up. Um, you know, I'm able to recoil from the food like a hot flame. And, and you know, why? Because I'm useful this way. I, I think God does care about what I eat. Because had yesterday been a baking marathon, I would be useless today. I would have nothing to offer my family, you know, nothing to offer me. Um, I I would not be an asset. I'd be an isolated deficit. And um, thank you, God, for the clear directions in this book. Because today I wake up and I'm not looking at the clock, you know. It inspires me. Thank you so much. With that, I will pass.
0: Thank you, Melissa C. Shannon F., your
7: turn. Hi, guys. This is Shannon. Can you hear me okay? Sure.
10: Okay. I'm road tripping for eight hours today, so there's plenty of time to do program work. But um, What came to mind as I was reflecting and reading over this is it seems that Bill is experiencing what I see is when imagination meets creation. I've heard that the quote that all action is born in thought just like he's entertaining the thought that if he were possibly to get be rescued from this disease of selfishness and transform into a being of like selflessness um that thought is created and these emotions are swinging around for him and the the emotion I see is um, it, it, like hope and inspiration. But when a thought without action taking on it is, is kind of just fantasy. It's stagnant and immobile. So it seems that the the magic combination that I like to really ponder on is imagination but creation is also there, and creation is action. And my higher power along my journey proposed to me to get out of stagnation and immobilization from fear was asking the question, what if? Like, Shannon, what if you were to possibly just take that one next action to recover what if you were to just make it through step four to five, and then how about if you were to really practice 10, 11, and 12 and just see what happens? Um, and it, just the creation of that is actually taking action upon it. So I, I really see that Bill is really entertaining that thought and imagining, like, what if I were to get out of my selfishness and what if I helped other people get out of their selfishness And what if those people helped other people get out of selfishness? Like, how does that one drop of action drop into the sea and create a ripple of effect? Um, And when I started pondering that, like, what if I were to take on another sponsor that could possibly take on sponsors, that they could sponsor other people? What could possibly happen? I mean, the camaraderie um, and fellowship that I imagine it just uplifts my spirit it helps me expand and I feel a sense of hope and inspiration and feeling uplifted and my heart opens up and I feel like I get out of the depressed posture so in the morning I like to entertain the thought what if I were to put energy and effort into just taking those next right actions to recover seeing what happens and what is manifested from those actions and how could that create a deeper fellowship and create energy in other people's lives. I mean, to watch my sponsees and other people recover is truly amazing, that, that my actions
1: of recovering
10: myself and um, could really lead towards making a huge difference in somebody else's life. And I hope everybody would
0: get that opportunity. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Shannon F. Suji, you're next. We will pause in the discussion after Suji for a brief convention promo. Hi, Suji. Suji, star one?
11: I'm here. <laughs> I have so much trouble unmuting sometimes. This is Suji, recovered by the grace of God from Michigan. Um. You know, coming from where Bill came, and that's from Ebby, it doesn't surprise me that they have the phrase in here, faith without works is dead. Faith is one of the principles of the program, and sometimes we use the principles as, you know, when they talk about the principles, we say, well, that's a step. But we actually do have principles, and faith without debt, works is dead, uh, whether it's making outreach calls, whether it's stopping and pausing, um, there's a lot of action. Uh, I've been doing a lot of stopping and pausing lately. Uh, in fact, they're just trying to call me. why well, I couldn't take the call, but Best Buy was trying to call me about my computer. It's been two weeks of, of horrible. I mean, I would not have gotten through this uh, without eating had it not been um, for pausing and asking God what to do and praying. Um, but... And he knew that that his faith, that that God consciousness, which in spiritual awakening um, talks about being the, the more religious ones, because he got that from Abby, and he did get that kind of faith. But he knew that if he did not share it, it was this idea. He's laying there and it's in the hospital, and he's thinking, you know, Abby didn't say, "Hey, you've got to give it away." He probably did in passing. I mean, he probably did say, do service, but there he was in the hospital thinking, hmm, maybe I can do some service here. And um, so, you know, it says he could not survive the, the certain trials or low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again and then he'd, be, he'd, he'd his faith would die. And that's what I've been going through. I mean, I've had a lot of trials and low spots the last two weeks. But I've been using my faith to pause, and I've been sponsoring. And I'll tell you, I miss it. When my sponsor can't meet with me, you know, there's something inside of me that, that, you know, that I know that my day is going to be a little different, and I'm going to have to pray more because I'm not doing the kind of service and, and the outreach calls you know, when I can't take them and I get home, it's like I I, I got to call them back right away because I know what it's like to make an outreach call and not get a call back, and that's all doing service. And I appreciate. Um, I didn't ha- I didn't understand. No one, none of my sponsors from '91 talked about actually doing steps 10 through 12. We read them, but I never had a recovered sponsor before. With that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Suji. And just as a reminder, and for those that perhaps that do not know, A Vision for You is hosting a convention this year, a big book convention this year that we lovingly refer to as an unconventional convention. It's going to be held at the Liberty International Airport Marriott in northern New Jersey on September 15th, 16th, and 17th, 2017. The power of the big book comes alive on that weekend for all. For more information about this convention, please go to our website at www.avision4u.info. You can register for convention. You can make reservations for your hotel. And there's also a community bulletin board there for all guests that are looking for information and exchanging information on rooms and transportation please join us there and spread this good news. Now we'll open it back up again for those who want to share and discuss the paragraphs four and five, I'm sorry, five and six on page 14, Bill's story. Who would like to share? Hi Leah.
8: John, Kay, Jim.
0: I heard John, Kay and Jim. What was your first initial or last name? And then I did hear Leah S, too, just in case. Reggio. Hi, Reggie. Sherry KB. And Sherry KB. Courtney. I'm sorry, the last one was what? Courtney B. I got B, but I didn't get the first name. Courtney. Courtney, thank you so much for the 3 Appreciate that. Okay, that's our lineup to check with time. I'll get back to you. Um, Leah S.? John K., Jim R., I think, Reggie O., Sherry K.B., and Courtney B. Hi, Leah.
12: Hi. Thank you so much. This is Leia, a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. Um, I just wanted to remark about some things about faith that have helped me that I'd like to share. Um, unconditional love. That is what I have about my faith. Unconditional, non-judgmental, um, seeing things as if a child was seeing it through the, the eyes of a child. The child sees something for the first time and really seeing it that way, not really, but in a way, being vulnerable. That's what I see myself. And then the most important thing: forgive yourself over and over again. Do not hurt yourself again and again. It's a new day. It's a new life. It's a new minute. And no matter how much we deny ourselves, we are who we, who we are. Leia is who Leia is. And I no longer have trouble facing Leia. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leia S. John Kate.
7: Hey, it's John,
13: Compulsive Eater. Can you hear me hey, okay? John? I can. Okay, sorry. When I go to unmute, it says you are unmuted, and then I don't hear if you're asking. Anyway,
10: <laughs>
13: uh, this is John Kiernan, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Los Angeles. Um, you know, this paragraph is the, you know, obviously the, the seeds in the beginning of the 12th step, and, uh, you know, where it talks here about the absolute necessity and 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 if we fail to enlarge the spiritual life and work with others, and then one of the other paragraphs mentioned earlier, uh, you know about who wants to do this if they didn't have to. It, it's just, it always find it sort of interesting because the, you know obviously this book is being written and and guided toward the person who's new, and yet the thing about working with others in twelve step is is it's very much like meetings. You know the great line that you hear and uh, I've always heard is. Uh, when the the person complains to their sponsor about why do I have to keep going to meetings and the sponsor says, I only have to keep going to meetings. You only have to keep going to meetings until so you want to go to meetings and then you don't have to go to them anymore. Well, I think the same thing is true with the 12-step. In the beginning, you have to do this. That's you're sort of told, oh, I've got to go through this. But what happens is the more you do it and the more positive feedback and the more you begin to look at life and realize how things are, you want to do it, you know. And a great example of that is near the end of Dr. Bob's Nightmare, where he says, I spent a great deal of time passing it on. Uh, You know, uh, I do it for four reasons: a sense of duty. Uh, It is a pleasure because in doing so, I am paying the debt to the man who took the time to pass it to me. And then at the end, because every time I do this, a little more insurance against a possible slip. But for me, I got to say, it's really about um, paying the debt, you know, to the person who gave it to me. Because, you know, I thank God I'm alive and, you know, was born in the 20th century. Because if I was born in the 19th century, I'd have been dead 30 years ago, easy. Because mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been a program, there wouldn't have been anything there, and I'd have been dead. And and again, just taking it forward, if somebody hadn't been there, put, uh, you know, uh, an answering machine in their garage. I remember who uh, where I called my first, uh, you know, intergroup throwaway. Uh, i'd probably be dead root one of two diseases, maybe you know whatever, and you know it's like if a if a you know if you 're in a fire and a fireman comes in and you 're passed out and that fireman picks you up and drags you out and saves your life and then a the year later you get a phone call saying, "Would you like to donate to the fire department you know who's not going to want to do that well that 's what I consider in my twelve step work I do a lot of twelve step work now a lot of service in terms of like a lot of things, but like, like I do a lot of tech stuff and web stuff. But it's about I'm really glad somebody came along and pulled my dead body and prodded and out and saved my life. And the least I can do is turn around and help others. And I want to today. I don't need to. And I think like I said, if if in the beginning it feels like work, that's okay. Just do it anyway. You'll you'll also the other great thing, and I'll wrap it up. The great thing about this program is it makes you do a bunch of things that you don't understand why until you do them and then you turn around and look backwards to go, Oh, I get it now. And part of the beginning of the 12-step work for me was getting out of myself and helping others. And that's what they tell you. If you're having a problem, pick up the phone, call somebody, and instead of saying, here's my problem, say, hey, how are you doing today? And you'll be surprised how things happen. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, John
7: K. Jim R. Star one, Jim R.?
8: Oh, Oh, Reggie. Oh,
0: there he is. Hi,
8: Demar. Hi. Sorry. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to address the line, if he drank, he would surely die. It doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room. Um, It's, you know, it's so definite. There's a uh, sign in Yosemite National Park at the top of one of the huge waterfalls. It says something like, if you go waiting here and get swept over the falls, you will die. And I always like that sign because it's a really effective warning sign. And a few people have unfortunately disobeyed it and lost their lives. You know, and I I totally accept that sign, but I've always had trouble accepting this absolute necessity that we must work with others and enlarge our spiritual life or we will overeat and die. And uh, I've seen a few people, unfortunately, in the program die of extreme um, obesity or related health problems myself I was always a controlled overeater, and never had a weight problem, but there's another kind of death, and a woman shared on an earlier meeting that she didn't want to get to age ninety and have spent her whole life struggling with food and never really living. You know you can have a living death, and that's what I had for many, many years- a solitary living death. I had a job, exercised, but I would work, come home, eat, and watch t v It was a living death. And it finally began to change when um, it wasn't me who went out and started working for others. It was just kind of God showed me to do it because I was such an isolator. I had tremendous resistance, but God just acted in my life. And I'd find myself, um, whenever there was a newcomer at a meeting, making myself go up to them, especially if it was a man, because a lot of men come into OA the first time and just stand around after the meeting not knowing what to do and just talking to newcomers, putting myself out as a sponsor, trying very unsuccessfully for a long time to sponsor but keeping at it and uh doing service and OA gave me these ways but it was really God saying just nudging me to do things to slowly enlarge my spiritual life and it's probably been the weakest part of my program and I'm still working on it but I'm you know as some as has already been shared the funny thing is like so many things, I resisted it. But when I did it, like when I talked to newcomers, it felt really good. And I'd leave the meeting with a huge lift. And uh, it just felt good to uh, connect with a newcomer and possibly see his pain you know, decrease a little bit or his hope grow a little bit, that maybe, maybe this program could have some hope for him, too, even if, like me, he'd been overeating for 10 or even 20 years or who knows how long there's always hope in a way Time. there's hope of complete recovery. So anyway, I'm really glad to be able to share her. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jim R. Reggie O.
14: Did you call me Melanie? I did. Thank oh, you. okay. I was in the process of unmuting, so I wasn't sure. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, good morning, everybody. And, uh, Oh, you know, this, um, uh, this this twelfth step that that's, that bill's talking about here is really quite something when I was my earlier life in o a many years ago sponsoring was the most difficult thing for me to do and then as I heard someone else say uh, on the meeting today uh that i ten eleven and twelve was not really a focus I worked steps in my you know in my early o a career but um but ten, eleven, and twelve was not a focus. It's like you know, you, and even completing step nine was not a focus. So I always felt very responsible as a sponsor, and so it it was like a burden. But you know, I'm going to shift forward to today, and um, you know, there's there's something about these steps, you know, before step twelve, that. And the the line that comes to me and has come to me so often is there's something at work in the human heart, and and as I've gone through the steps this time, you know now I rem- now I I remember I hope to remember every day very consciously that I have made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And when I say that, you know, and mean that sincerely, uh, because I have had a change in my heart, and I feel that in my heart, it just makes a difference in everything that I do. And when I think about, you know, demonstrating these principles and all my affairs, I think, you know, it's it starts for me like all my affairs, yes, twelfth step work, carrying the message, and you know, carrying the message when I go to Trader Joe's and uh, and say hello to people and have conversations or have interest in people in the store rather than looking at the, you know, rather than looking at the floor and walking outside and getting in my car as quickly as possible because I've got things to do, you know, busy, I've got things to do, <clears throat> or being really appreciative to the people who work there. <clears throat> and that, you know, that kind of an attitude in every, every place in my life, you know, those things as well, I mean, they 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 come you know they're coming they come from my heart and I'll tell you doing that just that that flow that flow is the mo- having a flow i guess having a flow of being a human being which means being in interaction with the rest of the world and the other people in the world is such an amazing thing uh, and to, you know, sometimes see people's eyes light up because, you know, to express interest, you know, if someone, if it happens in a, in a supermarket aisle uh, is, is, is not, I don't think it's common and, you know, sometimes I, you know, people's eyes will light up just for that. So, and, and I didn't even get to the work with others, you know, sharing what I've heard here is sponsoring, which is totally amazing. So thank you. Um, uh, yeah, thank you all for being here and making this possible.
0: Thank you, Reggie O. Sherry K.B.?
15: Hi, good morning, Melly. Good morning, everybody. This is Sh- Sherry K.B. in Northern California, Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive o reader um, Very grateful uh, today, uh, especially for this paragraph, um, how timely it is for me. Um, this this paragraph, you know, I was just reading it the other day with the sponsor, and um, all these paragraphs seem so important because this one is telling me that it's absolute necessity for me to demonstrate the principles in all my affairs. And I've always been told if I can't uh, practice the principles in all my affairs, then limit my affairs. Um, And so that's great instruction for me. And then it says, particularly was it imperative to work with others as he has worked with me? Imperative is, they're using some very important words here, imperative and necessity, absolute necessity. Um, because if I don't do this, um, if I don't do this work, if I don't continue to work the steps and work with others, I will not stay recovered. Just because I'm abstinent doesn't mean I'm, I'm recovered. Recovered means um, living the steps, working the steps, being of service to others, enlarging my spiritual condition, my spiritual life. And by working the steps and working with others, it helps me to enlarge that spiritual condition. Um, Faith without works is dead. If I don't continue to build that relationship with a power greater than myself, um, I'm I'm like the Walking Dead. Um, you know, self-sacrifice for others, um, and it's not self-sacrificing in a way because for me it's kind of selfish because you know I get recovered by by working with others, by staying recovered. I work with others, and it is a pleasure, and I do get so much out of feeling useful. Um, and, you know, I, this stuff works because um, I heard earlier today that someone said, you know, if I must work the steps so I can satisfy the pain I'm in. And if not, if I don't work the steps, then I have another choice. I either work the steps and help working others or go back to the food. There's not a door three. And just in the last uh, 72 hours, I've had experience of that. Um, I've had a crisis in my life. You know, the old Sherry would have <clears throat> felt very sorry for herself, gone into the food, and just numbed out. And instead, I did what was in front of me. I asked God, please show me the re- next right thing to do. And then I was on the phone with my sponsees yesterday, and they're like, I can't believe you're on the phone with all the stuff that's going I'm- on. Thank you. And um, nine seconds. Okay. So, um, Anyhow, just so grateful because doing the work, it it. It does work if you work it, and um, if not, there's a slow death, and they say compulsive overeating is like um, death on a layaway plan. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Sherry KB. Courtney B., she will close out this study this this morning with her comments. Good morning, Courtney B., KB. Maybe I've said that wrong. Courtney B., actually.
7: This is Courtney from Northern
16: California. Can you hear me?
0: Hi, Ken. Hi,
16: Courtney. Hi. I think I had a little encounter reading this. It struck me that Bill had this encounter with God and it resulted in some kind of a heartfelt outreach to others. And I thought, wow, what does that say about this God of his? Why does he care for us and want to care for others? Because to me, I would be okay to recover without anyone else. People are messy and difficult and draining. Ugh. it was okay with God. I would always say, I don't have a problem believing in God, it's his people I can't stand. Others, eh, not so much. But then I thought about Bill. He had a lot of reasons to back away from the people in program. It was a mess. And as I read, AA hey, hey, comes with age, uh Doctor Bob in the good old timers, it expressed all of the turmoil and the infighting and all the issues which the traditions came from. But it struck me as loving God results in loving others. And I couldn't believe I actually started to care about people in the fellowship. And I also learned I carry a message, not a person. So it really relieved me of that codependency burden and need to save others. I carry a message, not a person. And with that, I pass.
0: Well, thank you, Courtney B. And thank you to everyone that shared today on the line. We will now close this meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. Will Gina R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
2: Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order.